Good evening, and welcome back to our Christian education class. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We hope these teachings and discussions have challenged you, encouraged you, and increased your faith. Also, happy Easter. We just celebrated Jesus' resurrection this weekend. He is risen, and his resurrection is the very source of our hope and victory. It's a great reminder in the middle of this corona pandemic, and perhaps there are those of you out there who would say, I want to believe, or I want to live victorious, or I want to have hope, but sometimes it just feels hard, especially when the situations are difficult around us. So I would just like to say a short prayer for us that you know we would take Easter and the message of Easter to heart. And so Father, I just thank you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice on the cross. And Lord, we thank you for your victory over sin and death and hell and the grave, God. And we just thank you that we have victory in your name. So right now we receive, God, your victory over sickness. God, we receive your victory over anxiousness and depression. Lord, we receive your peace and your joy. God, we receive these gifts that you have freely given us. And Lord, we thank you that you're with us in this season. And I just pray for everyone who is listening or watching that they would receive these good gifts as your Holy Spirit works in their lives. Thank you for all these things you've done for us. And we say thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. So on that note, we'll hand it over to you, Pastor Riley. Well, good evening, all students of the word and laborers in the harvest of the Lord. It's a wonderful evening. Mm -hmm. uh, we can sense that indeed there is spring in the air. Welcome to lesson 11 of our Christian education. We are still with uh, Max Lucado. Uh, lessons, life lessons from John. Uh, the topic for tonight, the risen Christ, and it's, uh, I believe it's appropriate uh, since we have just celebrated Easter. We are still celebrating Easter. Exactly. Amen. Amen. So with that, uh, make sure you have your Bibles close, as, close at hand. Uh, it's from St. John chapter 20, and we are mostly focused on verse 1 to verse 18. Uh, it's a wonderful time to open with prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, O God, for this great day. We thank you that you are indeed risen, and that there is a record left here, Lord, that has been written, O God, by those who were eyewitnesses, Oh, Father, to this great event. And so this night, as we look in your words, Lord, Father, open our understanding, our minds. Heavenly Father, let the Holy Spirit guide us in our thoughts and our discussion. That, Heavenly Father, the true message, the true life-giving message, that it may soak in us, that we may understand it, that we may receive it, that we may accept it, and that our faith indeed would grow. Father, we give you praise tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So we go straight to the, to the book. And uh, we want to look at reflection a little bit. Because uh, Max has a way of 
away with words that I cannot compete with. Mm. Begins like this, if you only listen to the media news, the expression good news sounds like an oxymoron. It seems that much of what is called news is only the bad, tragic or shocking stories. This makes it all the more crucial to realize that those of us who know the ultimate good news have a wonderful opportunity to bring hope to lost and desperate uh, people. Understand a wonderful opportunity. What is the best news you have heard recently? Why was this good news for you? If we word it in our own way, what good news, simple, simple, what good news have you heard and why have you considered it to be good news? What in it? Uh, what did it do to you in the fact that it was good news to you? For me, if the news is good, it stirs my mind, it stirs my heart, it brings an uplifting use, it puts a smile on your face, it puts a different feeling in your heart. Mm -hmm. With with bad news, it's more like, oh no, not again. Oh, why? It tends to dampen your spirit, push you down, press you in weird emotions that will withdraw from your happiness. So when, when you tell somebody you have a, a piece of news or they say to you, I have two pieces of news. One is good and one is bad. Which one you tend to ask for first? Which one would you like first, they would ask you. Which one would you tend to ask for first? I usually ask for the bad news first, so I end up feeling good at the end. Oh, interesting. I wonder what you out there think. For me, I go for the good news first. <laughs> just in case, just in case the person is not able to give me the good news after the bad. You know, <laughs> just lay it on me. Right? I'm sure you might have a different view or a different preference on that. Uh, let's look at the situation so we, we set uh, the story here in its context. This would be on page 92. 92 of your books. And those of you who are bookless, uh, you can follow as best you can as I read. Each of the gospel accounts make it clear that Jesus' followers were not expecting anything to happen the morning of the resurrection. I happen to agree with that view. It started out as just another day of grief and confusion after Jesus' arrest, trial, uh, conviction, and crucifixion. Jesus had been placed in a tomb, and the conclusion of the Sabbath made it possible for some of the women to visit in hopes of doing a better job of wrapping and anointing the body. We don't know how Mary and her companions planned to open the tomb, but they certainly didn't anticipate what they found. 
So with that setting, let's go to the scriptures. Uh, to, to, in all fairness, to, to those who prefer the New King James Version translation, I want to read from that one tonight. It's a long set of scriptures. Would you like to split it? Uh, that would be wonderful. <laughs> also, if my division is still good, I will take nine verses and you will take nine. Very good. Excellent. So we begin. This is John chapter 21 from verse 1 to verse 18. And I'm going to read from 1 to 9 and then... Uh, Gavin will read from, read the rest of it. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that a stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciples and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloth lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth lying there and the handkerchief that had been around his head not lying with the linen cloth but folded together in a place by itself then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed for as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead Gavin. Then the disciples went away to their own homes. But Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. And did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabbani, which is to say teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Amen. Amen. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So let's explore. We look at, a, at the, the questions. You know, question one that... Max had in, has in his book here, uh, just so that we kind of plant in our mind the different events that took place. At what time of day did Mary visit Jesus' tomb? 
and then to think why did she choose that time so clearly the scripture says on the first day of the week early in the morning while it was still still dark so we would put it that is just before dawn or you know so so the timing is set but we we can uh, have a discussion on what must have been going through Mary's mind why they chose that time I don't know I think they probably were eager to go see him anyways because the previous day would have been the Sabbath they wouldn't have been allowed to mm-hmm. to go out and do these kinds of things so this was the first chance they had gotten and they made sure they were up early to do it mm-hmm. the, the anxiety because they didn't get the chance to to do it they watch others do it after the crucifixion whoever laid him in that tomb they were the ones the ladies did not get to do a whole bunch of that so they were planning to go back just like our ladies they were planning to go back and do a good job <laughs> on him after all they wanted to do the best mm-hmm. for the master but also while reflecting on this i'm thinking they must have still had in mind uh, the Jews because they were still in Jerusalem. This is a this is a place that was famous for you know all kind of controversial controversial things that took place. As a matter of fact, I believe, uh, and you can correct me if I'm wrong. I believe Jesus used the words uh, that they were the the city that killed all the the prophets of the Lord. How many times he would have gathered them under his wings, but, you know, their mindset made it difficult for that to happen. So the bottom line is, they must have still been in fear, you know, because they watched what they'd done to the master. He was innocent. They were innocent, so... Why wouldn't you fear you just watch an innocent man being crucified? So maybe under the shadow of dark as well, they wanted to get there or they wanted to get there before anybody else was up to stop them on the way. Mm-hmm. But the purpose in your mind, and I believe the, 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 the scripture indicated that they made their preparation the night before. Uh, how many of you out there, you, you have a plan to go do something? Do you uh, put the, the set, set up a program exactly what you need, what you want to do, such that when the time comes, you're just ready to pick up and go? If you're like some, you're chasing the bus down the road all the time. I've been there. Let's take a look at question two. How did Mary react when she saw the stone had been moved from the tomb? How did she react? If I put myself in her position, mm-hmm. there are probably a thousand scenarios that went through her mind. You know, they they put the body in the tomb and they sealed it, so 
they had sealed it because they were afraid people would come away and steal it. So that might have mm-hmm. been the first thought, okay, someone has broken in and stolen Jesus's body. This is terrible. Mm-hmm. Another thought might be, okay, uh, somebody went in to mutilate the body because I know there are people who really hated what he was doing, what he was preaching. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe others, there's just a whole bunch of, of possibilities because there was a lot of people who wanted to get a hold of the body of Jesus. So she, was, she would natu- naturally be very worried when she saw it unsealed. True, true. True, true. And of course, it would be very devastating for a Jew to have their body, you know, being disrespected and, you know, thrown around at, at, at weird places. You know, I, I could see enemies, you know, they want to push it to the very last, last point. And especially if it's your loved one. I mean, I can't imagine how I would feel, you know, if, you know, when I left last night, my, my, my friend or my, my mom or my dad, they were placed, you know, in a sepulcher. And when I come back three years later, like the sepulcher is empty, you know, I mean, how would you feel? You know, someone that you love, you watch them place the body there and then you get back and that the grave is no longer the way you left it. So, of course, she must have been worried. Mm-hmm. Must have been worried. Scared. You know, what have they done with it? Yeah. And a matter of fact, in, in verse 2, it says this was what Mary did. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter. Why was she running? Maybe in a panic. Mm-hmm. And to the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. I don't know if she had gone in. Probably not. And we do not know where they have laid him. After all, why would somebody roll away the stone? If you're not going to take out the body. Exactly. Right? So, you know, her reaction was she got to tell the others. Mm-hmm. You know, not keep it to herself. You know, Christians out there, I, I like to poke at you tonight. You know, we cover up a lot of things, don't we? We keep a lot of things to ourselves. Notice that these ladies did not just bear the burden. They raised to tell somebody else. It's not that they believe that they knew what had happened, but they were also informing. So with all the minds put together, they might be able to figure out what's going on. Good point. What's going on? When we look at question three, I want to sum it this way. How did Mary share the good news she received? If, if you saw this as good news, how would you share it? There's two types of good news. The believable good news and the unbelievable good news. Mm-hmm. So if you have good news that's believable, you probably just go and tell it straight. You might tell it excitedly, you might tell a story, mm-hmm. but you just you go straight to it. 
But if what you're telling is unbelievable good news, we might try to qualify it. Okay, I know this sounds crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm not drunk. Just, just hear me out. Mm-hmm. Or we might just tell them you have to go see for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you don't believe what I'm saying, you go see and come to your own conclusion. And I think that's what Mary had to do. The good news was too good. Mm-hmm. So she had to say, come and see. Come and see. And of course, they found it unbelievable. So they had to go see for themselves. They weren't even saying to Mary, oh, maybe this happened. Mm-hmm. They took off to go see for themselves. It's unbelievable. Like Gavin said, unbelievable good news. Mm-hmm. But I like how simple she kept it, straight to the point. Exactly. When, when, you're, when you're telling a news, whether good, you know, are not are believable or un, unbelievable, not unbelievable. You tend to use a lot of words for it mm-hmm. because you find yourself in the zone trying your very best to get them to believe you. Yes. And so you use a lot of words, everything you know, you, you draw on everything such that I, I know, as a matter of fact, I had some friends that they, will, they would swear some kind of oath just to get you to believe them. Now, we as Christians, I believe our way of telling the good news should be you lay it out, they take it or leave it. But when you get into the many words, we could run into problems at times, right? And this is why Mary would have been a good evangelist. She told it straight, just like she said, just this is how it is, and if you want to want to know more, come and see for yourself. Amen. We could do a whole class Amen. on evangelism based off of how she did this. Amen. Thank you, Sister Mary. What an example. They also said that they ran together, so they were the disciples were also in that anxious state to go see, and it even said that one of them outran the other so they were going in a hurry because they were also anxious to see you know or to know what was happening Mm -hmm. that's interesting that means they were all running full out so just a matter that the one that was faster than the other got there first yeah Mm -hmm. interesting urgency Mm -hmm. wow urgency then we can conclude that good news, certain good news, can create such excitement in, in us as individuals that motivate us to action that we, we probably didn't know we were capable of doing. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe the other disciple didn't know that his body was so fast. Maybe he saw that for the first time. Because the good news stirred something in them. We must spread good news. We must spread good news. We look at question four. How did Peter and the other disciples react when they heard the stone had been removed? We just discussed that they they raced over there. If you if you're looking in your Bibles, you can uh, find this in verses three, all the way down to ten. Peter went. He went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. 
And the other disciples outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooping down, looking in, saw the linen clothes lying there, yet he did not go in. Right? It's like he's looking for the body. He could see the clothes lying there. He goes, no, no, no. He's not in there. Something has gone wrong. And, and the handkerchief and the rest of the clothes and so on. Now the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also and he saw and believed after his other body came. Right? For as yet they did not know that the scripture said that he must rise again from the dead. Right. So they are looking in and all they know is that the stone is rolled away. The clothes that he wore, they were folded and laid aside and the body was missing. They're probably thinking, okay, what now? Mm-hmm. What now? We look at five. What was Mary's concern when she saw the two angels in white in the tomb? Let's talk a little bit about Mary. See, if we look after, after the two disciples, Peter, and we believe the other one was John, because he said the disciple whom Jesus loved. If we look at verse 11, it says, Mary stood outside by the tomb, weeping. This is after the other disciples went away again to their own homes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mary stood outside by the tomb. We, I don't know what's wrong with women. Nudge, nudge, you folks out there. They just don't get it. You see, the men just, they looked in and came to a conclusion and go, he's not here. We don't know what else we can do. They went home. But Mary was overcome with emotion. And she wept. She stood, stooped down and looked into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. Now, I, I won't talk about the tears, but I talk about the perseverance, the patience. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we are too horrid. Those two disciples would have been exciting to see those two inside there as well. But because Mary lingered, something was holding Mary still at the sight. Brethren, when you have prayed to God, when you have laid it out and you think you have done it all, linger a little longer. Sometimes in our perseverance, sometimes in our pressing, that's when the answer comes. So Mary is concerned seeing those two men. At least now I have somebody to ask. Don't you think? Yeah, fair enough. So when did Mary ask them? You know, I don't even know if she was speaking. Because she was crying, they probably had to ask her. I mean, in verse 13, they said, woman, why are you crying? And she said, because they've taken away my Lord and I don't know where they have laid him. Mm. Notice she did not recognize who those two were. And grief will often cause us to miss, Mm -hmm. miss out on things as well. It's true. Amen. 
Amen. Grief had blinded her eyes. She probably didn't even notice nothing out of the ordinary about them. Hmm. So we look at verse uh, 14. Now when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Oh, so this leads us right into question six. How did Jesus reveal himself to Mary? It's interesting because she recognized him after he spoke her name. So I don't know if it was something about her name or his voice that brought her sudden recognition. Mm -hmm. So when he spoke to her originally, she still assumed he was the gardener, but then something changed. She recognized something afterwards. Maybe, maybe we can go back to the scripture where Jesus said, My sheep know my voice. Mm -hmm. Amen? My sheep know my voice. It seemed to me like there was a, a particular way that Jesus had when he calls Mary. If in our lifetime, in our experiences, you know, sometimes uh, we can identify certain calls from certain of the loved ones around us. You, you don't even see them. You hear the sound and you can say, oh, this, it's this person. But it's, it, it's almost like he called her name and her eyes open. Mm -hmm. But he did say this word, my sheep know my voice. True. And Mary proved that in this case so jesus revealed himself to mary by calling her by name oh hallelujah i wonder if he'd done the same thing for you and i because when we come to know him did he call us by name i know the scripture teaches us that he does know us by name he's our creator why wouldn't he know us amen Mm. But for Mary, she lingered, and what an experience she had. But then she got instructions. You see, usually in our encounter, there comes encounter with Jesus, there comes instructions that we need to follow. In verse 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Mary was clueless there. Then Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say, teacher. Like, he called her and then her eyes were open and she recognized him. The instruction Jesus gave her, gave her in verse 17, Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. This is very interesting. This is very interesting. And uh, I believe we should talk a little bit here about this. I don't know how many of you realize that after Jesus was resurrected, before we talk about his ascension, he actually 
went back to heaven to to see his dad this scripture will indicate that so if you ever in doubt or wondering about this this is a good scripture to look at this was Jesus's instruction to her don't touch me uh, when I was younger I was a little bit confused about the two occasions because there was a point he said to Mary here do not touch me then later in the scripture he would say to one of the others touch me feel me handle me hmm. but what I was missing was a scripture like this you read it but you kind of miss the line that said I am not yet ascended to my father and the instruction was go tell my brethren I am ascending to my father and your father he has a father my father and your father and to my God and your God so he did go up so that's why after he has shown because he said don't touch me because I'm not yet ascended when he met with the disciples after that he had already gone and come back so now they could handle him amen he's risen the empty tomb we look in the inspiration section from Max's book here. The empty tomb never resists honest investigation. A lobotomy is not a prerequisite of discipleship. Following Christ demands faith, but not blind faith. Come and see, the angel invites. Shall we? Not blind faith. Faith in God is not a blind faith. When we believe, he reveals himself to us such that we, we come to the point of assurance that he is who he says he is. Mm -hmm. In the second paragraph, take a look at the vacated tomb. Did you know the opponents of Christ never challenged its vacancy? True. They never questioned if it was empty. No Pharisee or Roman soldier ever led a contingent back to the burial site and declared the angel was wrong, the body is here, it was all a rumor. Mm -hmm. So they must, the conclusion we can gather from that, the body was indeed missing. Yep. Amen. They would, they would have they would have if they could have. Within weeks, disciples occupied every Jerusalem street corner announcing a risen Christ. After all, you know, where they thought this was it. It's like they got a new burst of life. Mm -hmm. So now they want the world to, to know, yes, you saw him crucified, dead and buried, but he's risen. What quicker way for the enemies of the church to shut them up than to produce a cold and lifeless body? Display the cadaver and Christianity is stillborn. But they had no cadaver or cadaver to display. And because I am not that built in vocabulary, I had to look up what, what that meant. Apparently it's body. Dead body, yeah. Right? There was no dead body. They had no body 
to display. I don't know if you have heard this. You know, some years ago, there was a discussion that they found the bones of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. I want you to understand something. You don't have to be disturbed. Just think about it. If they could have proven by bringing or producing a body, they would have done it. Yeah. But years later, somebody dug up bones and said, these are the bones of Jesus Christ. My faith, my assurance, without reading anything they call the facts, I could clearly say, no, that's not him because he has risen and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Amen. This helps explain the Jerusalem revival. When the apostles argued for the empty tomb, the people looked to the Pharisees for a rebuttal, but they had none to give. As A.M. Fairbairn put it long ago, the silence of the Jews is as eloquent as the speech of the Christians. Amen. Speaking of the Christians, remember the followers fear, and this, this I like us to soak in. The followers fear at the crucifixion. They ran, scared as cats, in a dog pound. Peter cursed Christ at the fire. Emma's bound disciples bemoaned the death of Christ on the trail. After the crucifixion, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. But fast forward 40 days, bankrupt traitors have become a force of life-changing fury. Peter is preaching in the very precinct where Christ was arrested. Followers of Christ defied the enemies of Christ with them and their worship, locked them up and they launched a jailhouse ministry as bold after the resurrection as they were cowardly before it. So we need an explanation. Was it greed? Couldn't be, they had no money. Power, they gave all the credit to Christ. Popularity, most were killed for their beliefs. So it couldn't have been any one of those. Only one explanation remains. A resurrected Christ and his Holy Spirit. The courage of these men and women was forged in the fire of the empty tomb. The disciples did not dream up a resurrection. The resurrection fired up the disciples. Have doubts about the empty tomb? Come and see the disciples. And this is a quotation from the next door savior by Max. Locado. So we get to some questions and discussion. Question 7. Why is Christ's resurrection important for believers? See, to me, this is the good stuff. I think, to me, finally we get to the crux of the issue that is Easter. Mm -hmm. Why is the resurrection important? Why is Easter important? Mm -hmm. Why do we go and bother celebrate it at all? Some people would say, okay, he died. So it's not a good Friday, it's a bad Friday. Mm. But the importance of it, I would say it, he said a lot of things. One of the most 
controversial was that he would rise on the third day after he was killed. <laughs> and, of course, no one believed that he would do that because, well, death. But the fact that he did raise means he actually did what he would say. He is actually proving and validating everything else that he said as a, that he was teaching, that he is the son of God and that, you know, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All of those things are validated because he did this one thing. Amen. Amen. Why is Christ's resurrection important for believers? Just to add a little bit to that, if he was still in the grave, it seemed like we wouldn't be much different from others who worship a god out of stone, wood, stuff like that. Exactly. It would be just like he's dead, but you're worshiping a dead God. But we are different from those because we do worship a God that is indeed alive. Believe it or don't believe it. But that's what our uh, faith is built on. How would Christianity look without the resurrection? My, my, I, I word it a, another way. Would there be any Christianity without the resurrection? <laughs> it's a good question. You would have a very different... You're right to ask if it would be Christianity, because it'd be very different. Without the resurrection, no resurrection, no power. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, it's very different to say we serve someone who is alive than to also include it was someone who died and resurrected. Mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, when Muhammad was alive, people were happy to serve him and follow him right. because he was living. Right. But then when he died, everything changed. Mm-hmm. So the difference between things that are dead or people who were living and then died is that Jesus is the only only one in all the world religions. You can go search it, Google it. It's the only one who died and came back to life. The Mm -hmm. only one who has power over death. Mm -hmm. Amen. And so without that resurrection power, we don't have any of the other power and victory that is part of the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like we would have Forgiveness because he shed his blood, but no victory because he didn't overcome anything else. Amen. Amen. Oh grave, oh death, where is your sting? Oh grave, where is your victory? As he said in Revelation, mm-hmm. you know, I am he that was dead, and now I'm alive forevermore, and I've got the keys of hell and death. Therefore, you and I can have this lively hope that even when this body goes down in the dust, we only sleep and await his awakening power because just as he resurrected, so will we. Amen. Amen. And it makes you feel, I don't want to say make you feel better, but more confidence in the person you're following, right? Not even death could take him down. Amen. Amen. I, I would very much want to put my weight behind someone like that. Amen. Amen. Because I believe no matter what walk of life we are from, that is a certainty for us. Mm-hmm. There, there's not a man born 
that is gonna say, well, I will never die in a in in a way that even he himself is convinced of. Right. It, money won't stop us from going there. You know, royalty won't stop us from going there. And to have a God that shows that there's no need to fear that this is if you believe in me, this will not be your final resting place. You only sleep until I call for you because I am the one that has gone down there and come back. I was dead and now I'm alive forevermore. Mm -hmm. And the scripture said he has become the first fruit, the first person that has come forth just ahead of us. Amen. So it's Christianity is built on all this. Not just to live right, not just to believe in God, but also a hope that he's going to return for us mm -hmm. and have us be where he is, worshipping and lifting up his holy name. Question 8. Why do you think it's so hard for some people to believe that Jesus rose from the dead? <laughs> it would really especially for those who don't really want to acknowledge Jesus as anything more than a prophet mm -hmm. that kind of statement already puts him far above all other humans and all other powers the fact that if he overcame death mm -hmm. he is on a level all to himself Amen. and people who don't want to give him credit or believe in him wouldn't would be hard to give him that level of uh i don't i don't even know how you say it just to acknowledge that he is that powerful that he is that great because mm -hmm. if you acknowledge that he is that great and that powerful you are forced to make a decision that's right then if he is so great why am i opposing him mm -hmm. or if he is so great why don't i believe in him Mm -hmm. It really, it forces, it really forces the issue mm -hmm. if you, uh, if you say that he rose from the dead. That's right. And, and uh, uh, the scripture said it's easier to believe a lie than believe the truth. <laughs> so it's so much easier for people to just generally say, there's no God. I don't have to worry about anything. Oh, they talk about this God that's dead and resurrected. Oh, all kind of nonsense it's easy yeah. easier to believe to believe the lie because the truth will bring you uh, will bring you to face certain facts mm -hmm. lie will kind of hide you behind the curtain you can hide under it all you want but facts bring you to a conclusion you got to step up and face it from what we know about death that not even the best doctors can do anything about it that kind of power is hard to figure out. Mm -hmm. So once we have really seen, you know, what a person goes through when they are dead, you know, the way they bury them, most of us for loved ones, if we could have them resurrected, we would have had them resurrected right there. They would never die. Mm -hmm. But we have cried, we have wished, we have called them by name and they don't come back from the dead. I'm not talking about uh, exercising the command and the power of the Holy Spirit in resurrecting someone. I'm talking about 
uh, us as individual with our own emotions, our loved ones, we would want them with us just by calling them the name. Oh, Mary, you know, come back, come back. They haven't seen that. Mm -hmm. So then to, to believe that there is a, 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 a God that lived there as man, died, crucified on the cross, buried in the tomb, resurrected and now is in heaven he's here to believe that there's nothing to it but you got to look at the testimonies you got to look at the proof around us mm -hmm. is there any of you out there who uh go to church you know church is there and still not believe that jesus christ is resurrected and now sitting on the right hand of the Father, interceding for you and I? I hope not. If you don't, take it from me as one who is not deserving to be here. I know he is alive. Mm -hmm. Once I open my heart to him and take him at his word, prove me. I did prove him and he proved himself to me. Not because I deserve it, but because he's merciful and full of grace. Absolutely. And he can do the same thing for you. Oh, man. But should we stop telling others about the goodness of God? Why would you ask a question like that? We listen to the person that says, Ah, don't bother me with those kind of things. Should we still tell them the good news? Why we, why don't we just keep it and let him find out what is going to happen if he doesn't believe? <laughs> if it's really good news to us, like if we internalize it and it, it affects us the way real good news does, mm -hmm. you can't keep it to yourself. Amen. Someone once said, the sign of a real avid shopper Mm -hmm. It's not the one who just finds all the deals and the sales. It's the one who finds all of them and can't wait to share them with other people who are interested in, in shopping. Amen. Amen. And most of us in other areas of our life will not keep really good news to ourselves. It comes out naturally. Like so We have to. So if we are not or if we are unable to share the good news, then I feel like for us, it's not that good of news it might be so-so news mm -hmm. but if it is good news for us mm -hmm. then it will come out it will overflow and we will share with other people yeah because how do you contain good news mm -hmm. it's like your, your mouth should be trembling to tell somebody <laughs> don't you want oh I want somebody to know what I know exactly exactly I want somebody to feel the way I feel so we want to share it and there's there's a level of joy when you share something to someone and to see their eyes light up what really show me there's there's a feel-good part about telling people good things as well Amen. yeah it's like when you go to a good restaurant and the food is extremely good exactly yeah you tell it to everyone you gotta try this you gotta try this Amen. so it's the same with Jesus we know he's real and we know you know, he's a friend and all that he is to us, then we want to share that with others. Yeah. 
and 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 watch them get as excited as you mm-hmm. so we can be like the woman at the well come see a man she was so excited to carry carry the news because she was shocked that this man was able to 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 tell everything that she had done the excitement the joy because she was bringing good news this must be the christ yeah amen so you know my brothers and sisters out there we need to share the good news if it is good news and i know it is good news but is it good news to you that Jesus Christ has resurrected and alive and his grace has been shed for every single one of us. If it's good news, you have to share it. You must share it. You know, this is a really good point. I wonder if we can just pause here for a second. Mm-hmm. What would make it so-so news as opposed to good news? So sometimes you read articles and they talk about the huge decrease in the number of Christians who are sharing the good news with their friends and their neighbors and such. So the, the amount of sharing has really, really decreased. But right. then we just said, if it's very, very good news, you can't help but share it. So maybe for a lot of people, what they have is so-so news. Mm-hmm. What would make the gospel so-so to a person? Very good question very good question is it being being a a believer for a long time over time I have yet to meet I have yet to meet a new convert one that has opened their heart to the Lord and has gotten excited about the Lord that doesn't share that is a good point as soon as they want to tell everybody. But when we have been around for a while and we have heard a few uh, no's and we have heard a few ridicules and stuff like that, after a while, I believe we get into a zone where we kind of, okay, stay in your sin. You know, if you don't want to hear it, that's okay. Mm-hmm. But you see, John might refuse to listen to you. Don't use... John's refusal to make it Joe's refusal. That's true. So John might say no, but Joe is there hungry and waiting for somebody to tell him the good news. Mm -hmm. So you see, you tell to John, no. You see Peter, tell Peter also. Yeah. John might continue in his sin, but Peter, you know, might very well turn his life to the Lord and open his heart. I receive him because he embraced the good news, he believed the good news, and he has a life-changing experience with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So we, we got to re-emphasize what good news is to us yeah. and what it was meant. Because if what if no one told you the good news? Now, would you be angry that you're missing out on this wonderful grace and salvation that you're found in Jesus Christ, our Lord? If people knew what they were, be, what they were missing out on, they would be upset. Yes. Amen. We had um, a, sister, a sister who came from uh, India. 
Yes. And when she, because she was in a different religion before, mm -hmm. and when she found out about Christ and became a Christian, then she was actually, you know, saying, God, why didn't you show me this before? Mm -hmm. what, look what I've been missing out on, Lord. Mm -hmm. Why did you take so long to bring me to you? Exactly. She, really was, she was upset because she felt she missed out on Amen. all that relationship with the Lord for so long. Amen. In the chorus that says, if you only knew the blessing that salvation brings, you will never stay away. Absolutely. Amen. We look at... Uh, Question 11, what tends to prevent you from sharing the exciting news of Christ's resurrection with those who don't believe? So we go back to John. What tends to prevent you from sharing the exciting news of Christ's resurrection with those like John? I feel like I'm talking a lot, but it really is an area of passion for me. I feel like there's two reasons, mm -hmm. at least, why you might not share with John. One is somehow I have come to conclusion that John is not interested in what I have to say. Mm -hmm. He's not interested in what church-going people might be excited about, about Jesus. Right. Like, it might not have any relevance to him. So there's the fear of him just being uninterested or, or not being moved by it. But then second is that for me, I have undervalued the story that I have to tell. Mm -hmm. And we were talking before about the so-so uh, the gospel. If I have a, a weak or mediocre experience or relationship with Jesus, mm -hmm. then I don't necessarily have something of value to share with him. Right. And that would, that would only harm the testimony and make him less interested. I feel like nobody these days goes to a restaurant or to buy a car without reading the reviews. Mm -hmm. And you know, we are like Jesus's reviews. What we have to say, what our experience has been is like the reviews other people are reading to evaluate whether, they, whether or not they want to try Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. So, so if, we are, if we are underwhelmed with our news, it comes out in our telling of it. Oh, for sure. Amen. Amen. Fear as a way of also causing us not to tell. Fear of what? Fear of the, the response of the person, the rejection. You know, why does the, the rejection and the no bothers us so much? Mm -hmm. It's not like that's going to take away from your salvation is not going to subtract from your salvation you're looking for the ones that want that good news and because it's not written on each forehead we need to tell everyone so we can find the ones that really mm -hmm. really want to hear it and it's about planting the seed too because you know they might have a different reaction or seem not to be interested mm -hmm. but they have heard the word and you know, at some point after, they might, you know, reflect on, you know, what they have heard. Even though right. they don't believe it at the same time, mm -hmm. or seem to believe it, there will come times again when it will perk up back in their heads, in their mind, in their thoughts. Amen. Amen. I don't know if we have time for 
quick look at question 12 mm -hmm. what objections do people raise about Christ's resurrection the objections are usually the same <laughs> so maybe maybe this should be homework sure uh, it would be nice if you can uh, follow up on this I would like to know what your answers are what objections do people raise about Christ's resurrection because when we know the objection, we can be ready with the response. True. Amen. And once you know the response, why would you fear? Amen. Mm -hmm. Oh man, what a wonderful time! Uh, as we are running out of time, and we have to wrap up here. This was so good. I want to uh, read through life lessons and then. Uh, we pray. So another, can we? Five minutes, yeah. Five minutes. The personal importance and impact of Jesus' resurrection is illustrated by the disciples' lives and spelled out in the passages such as 1 Corinthians 15. The basis of forgiveness, and I encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 15. The basis of forgiveness takes us back to Christ's death, but the guarantee of all the promises and the hope we live by depends on the truth of the empty tomb. Hmm. Authentic believers are forever overwhelmed. We talk about being underwhelmed by two conclusions. Jesus died for me and Jesus rose again for me. In those two statements rest a hope large enough for life and stronger than death. Praise the Lord. Amen. Shall you bow with me for prayer? And uh, I like the prayer from Matsir as well. Jesus, we thank you for the sweet surprise of Easter morning. We thank you that when you rose from the dead, you didn't go immediately to heaven, but visited people. This visit of love reminds us that people were the reason you died. We praise your name for that sweet surprise. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we give you thanks. Amen and amen. Journaling, my brothers and sisters, before we wrap up. How does the victory of Christ's resurrection bring victory to your lives? How does the victory of Christ's resurrection bring victory to your life? And we trust to hear the answers from you next week at the beginning just before we start chapter 12. Yeah, it'll be a great topic of conversation to start with. Amen. Amen. So the Lord bless you. Thank you again for a wonderful uh, studying of the word. May these words dwell in you richly. May you go with God. May the Lord bless you and your family. Have yourself a good night. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing with your friends and your family to get the word out. You can also like our page 
and visit our website eigministries.com for more content and to keep up with the things that we're doing. Thank you and God bless. Yes.